live from Lone Depot Park, Fish Unfiltered. My name is Azzy Gazoot. As always, I'm joined by the great Kevin Barral, and we have a very special guest this evening, the radio play-by-play man of the Marlins, and the man behind some of the most electric calls in all of Major League oh. Baseball, Kyle Seeloff. Kyle, thanks for taking the time. Well, thank you. You're buttering me up, but thank you. I like that. I like the way this is going so far. <laughs> Let's get started. The last 24 hours, Kyle, uh, before yesterday's game, Sandiel Contra, Jorge Soler, arguably your best pitcher and your best hitter, go on the shelf, 24 games left. How about yesterday's ball game? Well, I mean, I think it's great to see the way that they were able to bounce back. I mean, you, you, look, I said this pregame yesterday. They're not in a position where, you know, and by the way, I mean, like, you know, all, all of us in the media find out at a certain time. They probably knew a little bit beforehand, right, that something was going on. They still, Nelly and I were talking about this last night. They cannot feel sorry for themselves. This team has played really good baseball all season long. You can't let that, no matter what it ends up being for the both of them, derail what's been a great season. This is an incredibly resilient group, um, you know, and that's evidenced by their performance, uh, you know, at different times of the year. So, you know, I could definitely see them rallying together um, and knowing that they've got to pick up some of the slack. It puts you in a pinch. You're, you're losing a starting pitcher. You're losing a guy that was the Cy Young last season. But it, 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 it's, it's a terrible day. But, you know, I, I think... Personally, the Marlins, within reason, have not suffered to date like a catastrophic injury this season, yeah. right? Like you, you've kind of forgot about Trevor Rogers because he just hasn't been around. You know, Johnny Cueto obviously didn't pitch, but other than that, they've stayed really healthy. Luisa Rice has not missed time. Some of these other guys have not missed time, and you know, in large part, they stayed really healthy this season. And injuries are going to happen. The Marlins, the front office, and the players in that clubhouse have got to find a way to respond. And I thought they did a great job responding last night. I really did. Obviously, we look at you know, this series thus far. They've taken two going for the sweep tonight as we're recording. Just what have, you, what have been your thoughts overall? Well, you know, I, I, I said this last night too. Like, I, I think sometimes people get sick of that stupid cliche like go 1-0 today. But, you know, it's true. If you look at this stretch where it's the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Brewers, and the Braves – Again, those guys are wired a lot differently than us, but that would seem daunting, right? Like, oh, my goodness, how do we get through a 14-game stretch? Well, play nine really good innings tonight, and if you start stacking up wins, you know, look, for what it's worth, this 14-game stretch for me, if they go 7-7, seven and seven, they're going to have a great opportunity down the stretch playing a Mets team that doesn't have a whole lot of pitching. They can still hit the ball. Playing the Pirates, they're going to have a really good opportunity to get their way into the postseason. And... It's funny, we've talked about this for a month now on the air. Some point every single season, somebody gets hot. And we talk about, you know, is it going to be the, the Reds that get hot or the Giants? What's well, the Marlins that are getting hot right now? They have an opportunity tonight to do something they haven't done all season long. It's win seven games in a row, right? So, you know, it, they're, they're getting hot at the right time. And you hope they can stay hot. I really do think if they can go 500 or maybe a touch better over this stretch, they're going to be in a great position to have an opportunity to make the postseason, regardless of whether or not they have three starting pitchers and they're going to utilize two bullpen guys or utilize the opener two out of every five days and you kind of use Edward Cabrera in that mix as like that hybrid swing guy. I don't know. Like, I'm enjoying the hell out of watching these guys. Man, like they're fun to watch. They're winning games. They're five over again when they were just a game under last week. Like, Keep on playing. Roll the dice every night. Try to put nine good innings together, and you just don't know what's going to happen. You mentioned last week, on August 30th, Miami just finished getting swept by the Rays in two games. Yeah. 
At that point, their playoff percentage, according to Fangross, went down to 11%. It's currently at 34%. At 11% over the, down there, did you maybe lose a little bit of hope that this could get done? I don't know if you lose hope, but like it just I, it, it wasn't going well. Like They weren't pitching well enough. They weren't getting big hits. They could not hit with runners in scoring position. So, I mean, if does that constitute as losing hope? I guess at some point you're like, if, you, if they don't do that, they're not going to get where they want to go. Now, all of a sudden, I wish I had my notebook, but I wrote this down earlier. Since August 18th, I think they've hit 27 homers and played in 74 runs. I should go calculate how many of the runs have been scored via the homer. But, like, all of a sudden, a team that we did not really see to start the season outside of Jorge Soler, they're winning via homers. And whether it's Sanchez or De La Cruz or Chisholm or Arise has gotten into the mix a little bit. And the moves that Kim made for me at the deadline, it's put them in a position where they can weather some of this storm without Soler because you add Berger, who I think is going to display more power in September. And even if he doesn't, he's been really good. He might not have to hit the ball out of the yard to be productive. I think that's proven that's true. But then Josh Bell kind of slides in there as the guy that can kind of carry some of the load. And you know what? To me, the biggest X factor, and we say this a lot, is Jazz. He got spoken to in Washington, D.C. because he wasn't hustling. Okay, like it is what it is, and you got to call it how you see it. He got spoken to. That kid has been electric the last couple of days, whether it's hitting the ball out of the yard or dropping down a bunt and gliding the first because nobody's going to get him, stealing bases, playing terrific defense. He could do something really special in September. He's not going to do it all by himself, but he has a chance to really carry this team. Do you think what they're doing is sustainable? I mean, the way they're scoring runs right now, obviously just via the homer mainly? Mm, I do because I think that's a product of good at bats. Like a home run is not – lucky right like there, there's a plan there's an approach that leads to that now is it always going to be a homer sometimes it's going to be a double you know you get on top of one a little bit it's a single into center field I, you know i don't know if they're going to hit 30 home runs this month but to me homers are a product of good at bats and that is a product of brant brown and john mabry and jason hart and their team down there and something that they preached all season long about putting a plan together remember when we were in san diego a couple of weeks back, Skip had mentioned something like, like they're not following the game plan. Mm-hmm. Well, like, you know, there's no, there's no BS. I'm not saying there ever was before. But with this staff in particular, we're going to call you out. If you're not doing something right, if we're not doing the little things right, we're going to talk about it. We're going to get it out front. We're going to have a conversation. And we're going to fix it. Because if you don't, you're going to start losing, and guys don't want to have hard conversations or whatever you want to see. But – it's really no nonsense. And it's funny to me. It's like they took an approach back in spring training. Like if people are going to pay money to watch you put your best foot forward and try to win for this fan base. And like in a roundabout way, that means coming to the ballpark, showing up on time, going to every single meeting, game planning, taking care of your body, putting yourself in a position to win, which ultimately makes the fan base happy. But like I, I love this staff. I love what they're doing. And I do, to your question, think what they're doing within reason is sustainable. Big part of yesterday's comeback win, obviously, um, the two-run home run by Joey Wendell. This man, a bona fide professional, has really struggled this year on the offensive side of the ball. He's displayed great defense at short. How big is it for this team if he can to get going a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think he helps. Uh, you know, it's been an awful year. There was like the six-week stretch where he was hitting over 300, and he just fell back into the funk until what felt like last night. The one thing about Joey Wendell is he is a consummate pro. It does not matter if he's 0 for 40 or 30 for 40. He's going to show up to the ballpark and prepare the same way every single night. And he leads by example. 
And to me, ultimately, that filters down to his teammates when you learn to conduct yourself like a professional. I guess looking forward, obviously, you mentioned a Philly, Milwaukee. These are teams yeah. that are very close in that playoff contention. You know, they're in the race as well. Just what do you think is the key to take those teams, obviously, with Milwaukee? which No, Philly's the team coming out. You have Nola, you have Wheeler. That's a team that's kind of gotten hot in that second half of the year. Want me to hold this thing down? Yeah, sure. You know, to me, the biggest key is don't worry about other teams. Worry about yourself. Like, you do (laughs) – you know, they, they had a real – the Marlins were really bad coming out of the gates in the second half, which, you know, in hindsight, it's fun to scoreboard watch. It's like everybody else around them was losing. You know, there was a point just recently when they were on one game under that they were 15 games under 500 in the second half. Obviously, that's turned a little bit now, right? And now they're, what, they're five over, so they're nine under in the second half. If you handle your business, you don't have to worry about other teams losing around you. I mean – in theory, the Marlins currently, as we're doing this, hold the third and final wild card spot in the National League. If they handle their business and they have, what, 72 wins? Yes. 72 okay, yes. so we have 23 games left to play or 22? Games left. To me, if they go 23 games left, so if they go 12 and 11, no, we're screwing something up. If they, All right, they have 72 wins. If they get to 80, I'm sorry, if they go 13 and 10 the rest of the way, I think they're in at 85. Yeah. Don't worry within reason about the other teams. I think they're in with 85. I think if they go 13 and 10, to me, after you start against the Dodgers 2 and 0, mm-hmm. and I think if you go 7 and 7 over this stretch, that leaves you having to win six games in the final two weeks. I think this team gets in with 85 wins, and I don't like. I don't think that's false hope. I don't think that's selling a bill of goods. Those other teams now below the Marlins are going to beat up on each other. I think 85 wins gets them in. I really do. Well, you know what? We, when going into this Dodgers series, there's 25 games left, and I said that they need to go at least 13 and 12 to one, get to above 500 to finish the year, and maybe sneak in. Of the three teams that the Marlins are competing with for that final wildcard spot, Cincinnati, Arizona, and I believe Chicago, which one do you think is the biggest threat to Miami? Cincinnati, Arizona, or Chicago? San Francisco, I'm sorry. San Francisco. Cincinnati, Arizona, or San Francisco. I don't think San Francisco hits enough. Me Cincinnati, I don't think they pitch well enough. And Arizona, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know if they have enough yet to get to the postseason. I don't know how to answer that because I think the Marlins are the best team of those four. I agree. Yeah. I really do. Like, I, I know you guys are covering the team, but if you go, if you stack up those teams, can San Francisco pitch a little better because they're more healthy? Maybe. I, I don't think they can hold a candle to the Marlins' offense if they're going to keep doing this. No. And by doing this, if they score five or six runs a night, the Marlins are going to win a lot of games. You don't have to score 10 or 11 every night. Arizona, I just don't think they have enough. Like, I think they're a piece or two away from like, actually threatening the Dodgers in coming years. Mm-hmm. And, who's the, and Cincinnati, they don't – I don't know. I don't think they pitch enough. I really don't. Yeah, Gallon's struggling too. Yeah, in Arizona. That's a really only real good pitcher there. Well, you have Kelly, buddy. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. Some, some, I don't. I don't know. I, I think that that team is a piece or two. I saw they brought up Jordan Lawler or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The, to me, in the coming years, that team is going to be a wagon in the oh, National League. Yeah. They're going to be great. But as, as it currently stands, those four teams, I think the Marlins are those are the best of those four teams. I think they're more well-rounded and set up for success. And we go back to to this team in particular. Jorge Soler, obviously, they're going to be without him for a little bit. Such an interesting stat. I don't know if it's just a statistical anomaly. 15 and 1. 15 and 1. Now 16 and 1. How do you explain that? I don't know. Because it's not like the team is better off without him in the lineup. The team is better. So you're saying they're 16 and 1 when he's not in the lineup. I don't know. I mean, he makes the team better. I don't know. I don't know. 
I'd have to go look at every single one of the games right. and who they're playing. I don't know. I'm not sure, though. I'm really not sure. Fair enough. So. And I guess we can go sort of into you a little bit because, you know, this is your first season doing uh, full-time play-by-play. I've been listening to you since you're doing spring training with both Dave and Glenn oh, yeah. doing the regular season. Great times. What do you think you still have to improve on the most as a play-by-play announcer? That's a good question. I go The hardest thing for a broadcaster, and I was always told this growing up, and I still find it to be true, is I go back and listen to myself, and I'm so critical. Like, I, like I always tell myself if I'm listening, do people know what the inning is, what the score is, who's on base, how many outs are? Because you know it is radio, right? You you need to let people know more often than not that you know we're in the bottom of the fifth and it's one nothing and there's two on and there's one out and um, I think there's probably a million things I can improve on. And I tell people this all the time, like I told myself when I did this. I'm going to be me. I'm not going to try to be anybody else. You know, I grew up in New York, and I, I just, I, I absolutely loved Howie Rose and Gary Cohen and Ron Darley and Keith Hernandez growing up in New York, right? I was watching yeah. New York sports television. Like, to me, those people are my idols. And to me, like, their ability to broadcast for me is unattainable, and I'm going to work my butt off to get there. And I hope that one day, 50 years down the road, if I'm still fortunate enough to do this, that somebody's going to say the same thing about me. But, like, there's so much I can work on. Like I, I, I pick out little things every morning. I'll go back and listen to an inning or two of the broadcast the night before, whether it's, you know, hey, shut up for a second. Nelly was saying something. You don't have to step on his toes there. It was a foul ball. Like, you can get to it in a second. Um, I don't know. I'm really hard on myself. There's a million things I could probably work on. I am totally open to constructive criticism all the time, um, whether it's on Twitter or from another professional in the business. I will listen to anybody. I am so fortunate that I've been given this opportunity, and I do not think I know it all. I just know that I'm a fan like everybody else. I love the Marlins. I think it probably shows. I get excited when something <laughs> good happens. Like, it's not fake. It's genuine. I love rooting for the team. This might go to the second deck, and she does! A bomb for Jesus! Wow, his 12th of the season! The Marlins have scored six runs here in the bottom of the fifth inning. They've done it on three homers. And you know the other thing that I think about this often, and I think subconsciously, those guys in that clubhouse are the easiest group of guys to work for. Or, I'm sorry, to yeah. root for. They are so nice. They're so nice. Like, I, I root so hard for them. And, yeah, I, like, I know I'm a professional broadcaster, but I'm a fan. Like, I, I feel like... I want to be the voice of the fans of this community and the people that root for this team and not like somebody that sees himself as better than everybody else because I don't. Like, I love broadcasting. I love the Marlins. I love those guys in the clubhouse. They're so easy and fun to root for. And I genuinely just want to see them have success and like play past October 1st. I really do. Okay, he's good. That was a that was a great answer. And I guess the last thing we spoke about it a little bit before we turn on the mic, just the data you get from you know whether people are listening to MLB.com, whether people are listening to Game Day, iHeartRadio, or AM Radio. Do you, what are the sort of the statistics that you get from from those? Yeah, we average 1.2 million listeners a night. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, we don't see a ton of data. What MLB can provide us is like average listenership on the app. But what we do know is that a majority of our listenership comes from the MLB app, MLB.tv. And a lot of times what people can do is if, you know, if they're, if they're watching Paul and whoever he's working with, and 
vice versa, you can actually do the audio radio overlay feature. Oh, and yeah. we listen to a lot of people that tell us that. They love switching back between the TV broadcast and radio. And, you know, I guess getting different insights and opinions, although I'm probably not a whole lot different than what they're saying on TV. Um, but I, I think that's the trend in the industry, though. A majority of people, I think there's a good chunk of people in their vehicles that have access to Sirius XM. And it must be like a premium subscription to get the home and road. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not that terrestrial radio in necessarily is dying, but like there's just other platforms and means to disseminate it. So we it, truly the listenership comes off MLB.TV, whether it's audio only, the radio only feature or radio overlay. Um, you know, the, we, we get some folks in their car listening on 940. Right. If you crank the dial, you know, there's not many. You remember a dial? You have no idea what a dial. He has no idea what a dial. But, right, I mean, like, right. that that was just, you know, you used to just put on 940. You would turn yeah. the dial. I'm not a fossil. But, like, there's just <laughs> other easy ways to do that, right? You get in your car. You're doing what? You're getting your phone. Okay, you're, you're putting on your phone. Um, so there's only so much we can see, but we do know the majority of our listenership is on the app. There's some on SiriusXM. The really cool thing, if you live in Miami or Broward, um, Miami-Dade or Broward County, you can listen on the iHeartRadio app because it's geofenced. So as soon as you go out into, like, you know, Orlando, you're not going to be able to get it. But if you're listening locally on your phone, you can go to iHeartRadio.com and get the broadcast. So, um, yeah, does that answer? I yeah, guess. no, that, that, that's interesting because every time I listen to the radio, it's definitely in the car or, you know, right. with, a, with a handful. Well, how often do you put on 940 in the car? Do you use 940? No, you I, don't, I don't use MLB. Yeah, a, you go, yeah, I am because it's, a, it's so delayed if you use the app. So that makes it a bit of a pain in the butt. You know, I've asked them about that too. I don't, we hear that a lot. It's interesting if you watch the game on MLB.tv and you do the radio overlay, it's Perfect. synced up perfectly. Right. But for some reason, the radio-only portion of the app is 45 seconds delayed. And that's probably within reason because it has to go from here to the station to MLB, and then it gets disseminated. So I can understand. But, yeah, I don't, it is a little bit delayed. Steven, who now took over your former role there, just what have you seen from him? Obviously, he's been doing a great job. With the YouTube. He puts you up to this, didn't he? <laughs> no. He puts you no, up to this, didn't he, Kevin? Your check's in the mail, isn't he? No. <laughs> Show me your Venmo. He Venmoed you, Kevin. It's, they spoke uh, in the elevator. No, Stephen's been great. He really has. He has a passion for it. He loves he, Similarly, he grew up in New Jersey, but listen to like Mike and the Mad Dog growing. You guys should have him on. I'm sure he'd, he used to be yeah. a caller on Mike Francesca's show. Wow. So he could, he could probably show you the clips. Um, he's been great, though. He really has. He, he's done a great job. There's a lot that he could still learn, and he will. Um, but he's, he really has done a great job. And it'll be really nice, too. I tell people this all the time. There's a really big leap, and I'm sure I'll feel this, too, in the booth from your first to second year, right? So, like, now Stephen and I can sit down in the off season. We can go over things we need to take care of internally. We can map things out better. Because he was hired on opening day. Yeah. He was here on opening day. It's the first time I had met him. Um, so, yeah. So, like, we can chat in the off season. We can plan for what we want to do down the road. And just – inherently as you get a little bit older and you do it a little bit longer you just get a little bit more comfortable like the off season you can just take a deep breath and you can look at how the season went and what an unbelievable year to start right, teams right. five yeah. over huh i started in 13 there was was 62 and 100 exactly right and 13 with placido polanco and juan pierre stole his 600th base in philadelphia was it 500 it was he stole 600. 600. 600 and a third he stole third um 
you know what's funny though? I look back on that all the time. I was like, what a cool group of guys though. Yeah. They like they were not good, but they were older guys that found a way to come back and make it like a one run game in the eighth inning every night. But anyway, I tell Steve, I'm like, you're so lucky, dude. Yeah. They're five over and a legitimate chance to go to the postseason mm-hmm. in your first year as a full time employee of the broadcast. So um, he really has. He's done a great job, and it'll be fun to work with him. For and a you long saw Yelich come up that year. You saw Jake Marisnik come up that year. Real Muto debuted in Tampa the next year. Yeah. Yelich came up in Colorado. Three for four. Oh, I think they changed one of those hits, actually. Now two yeah, they four. did. Was it, was it him and Ozuna that came up in Colorado? No, him and Marisnik. Ozuna came up a little bit before, and then Yelich and Marisnik Ozuna, was up. he Tampa as well? Ozuna was against the Mets at home. Is that right? Yeah. I'll never forget that throw we made late in the game oh, in New York. to get new Like the ice. 16th inning. To get new and ice. Oh, that one was here. That was here. But you remember the great oh, the play he made at City Field. But yeah, I remember that one. He threw out Kirk Neuenheis at the plate. Yeah. Um, we could do this all day, but yeah. Anyway, last thing for me, last time we spoke, Kyle, um, I believe it was end of April, and Luis Arise was just snubbed, I guess, for the American uh, National League Player of the Month to Ronald Acuna. And now Ronald Acuna and the guy who's playing right field tonight, Mookie Betts, are, in, are fighting for that National League MVP award. Who is your NL MVP? Alconia. Really? Yeah. Dude, he's a monster. He, how many stolen bases does he have now? 62. If he fin- he's going to finish 40 and 70, which is ridiculous. But Mookie Betts is still more valuable. Ronald Acuna Jr. is more valuable this season. You can show me whatever statistic you want. If I told you, if I put a blind resume up for those two guys, I promise that both of you would pick Acuna 100 times out of 100. If I gave you a guy in right field that's going to play that defense, hit 40 bombs and swipe 70 bags, if you that you would be you would be prosecuted if you did not okay, take that. Okay, defense and right. Mookie gives you phenomenal defense and right. Mm-hmm. short. Okay, but the game is predicated on offense. 40 homers and 70 stolen bags. That's How crazy. many does Mookie have? Mookie is an unbelievable player. The guy's worth a half billion dollars. Yes. Okay, there's no, I'm, I'm just saying, if I put those two guys on paper and you turn away a guy with 40 homers and 70, are, uh, 70 stolen bases, you should be put in prison. And a bazooka in right field. Fair enough. Cannon. Yeah. Unbelievable. And he's a spark plug. That, that's a guy that's matured in Atlanta. Yeah. You know, he, he was a little immature a couple of years ago. He's really matured. Yeah, that's, a great, that's a great player. I enjoy watching him. And yeah, we'll get to see him pretty soon when they come to Miami. Yeah, it's going to be tough. But anyway, that'll be it for Kyle, for Kevin. Thank you so much again, man. And good luck tonight on the, in the booth. All right, guys. See you later.